Dragi ljubitelji podcasta između redaka, dobrodošli u našu novu epizodu, ali i novu sezonu. Iza nas je 15 prekrasnih epizoda i predivnih gostiju od autora, urednika, dizajnera i svih ostalih s kojima smo razgovarali u proteklih 15 epizoda. A sada krećemo polako iz početka. E, otišli smo malo na more, napunili baterije, pročitali nove knjige i sada smo spremni ugostiti nove i zanimljive goste. E, današnja epizoda bit će uvod u tu nešto malo drugačiju sezonu, e, kao što vidite, malo smo preokrenuli naš podcast studio, a ono što je najveća novina zapravo u ovoj epizodi je činjenica da ja danas sama sjedim u ovom podcast studiju. Bez brige, neću intervjuirati samu sebe. Sa mnom je jedan gost iz nama inače vrlo bliske, a danas vrlo daleke slovačke. Zahvaljujući modernim tehnologijama, danas ćemo s njim popričati u podcastu o njegovoj vrlo uspješnoj karijeri. A on je autor krimića, autor thrillera, autor romantičnih komedija. Njegove protagonistice su Erika Foster, Kate Marshall i Coco Pinchard. A njegove knjige prodane su u više od 4 milijuna primjeraka i prevedene na više od 30 jezika. Prije nego što je počeo pisati svoje krvave i šokantne krimiće, pisao je romantične komedije, o čemu ćete više čuti u ovom podcastu, a on je Robert Brinza. Hi, Robert. Hi, nice to see you. Uh, thank you for joining us here in Zagreb, even though it's not a, a, in person, it's still a real treat, uh, but you already visited Croatia twice this year, so would you say that you're a huge fan of Croatia? Yes, I am. I'm, I've, well, I've been quite a few times over the years. I mean, this year I was there uh, I've been to Zagreb and I've also been uh, on vacation as well in Dubrovnik and also in Primoštin so yeah I love Croatia I often sometimes go to um Bashka on Krk island as well so they're all personal visits this year but in 2019 you visited us on a whole another occasion you were actually on a promotional tour of your fourth book The Last Breath So, since you love Croatia so much, were you a bit stressed out uh, with how the audience will receive you when you were coming to do a promotional tour here? Um, yeah, I think there's always, because you, you never know like how much, how many people know who you are and, uh, you know, like uh, you, you kind of worry that how many people are going to even show up because, you know, like there was a book signing that I did when I came in uh, 2019. Uh, uh, quite a big bookshop so the, the 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 scariest bit for me is always when you arrive at the the, the book signing well this one in particular they, they'd made like a beautiful like buffet of food and there was like so much food and there was so many glasses and on the table and I was like oh no you know what if no one <laughs> shows up and it's all goes out like uneaten so you yeah you kind of worry about sort of silly stuff like that but it was it was really good fun and I met some really cool people and of course we met for the first time which was really exciting um so yeah no i i really enjoyed uh, coming on official capacity uh, <laughs> back in 2019 uh, so were you satisfied with the number of people turning yeah, up no no it was really it was really cool and i mean i i think i i did the the, the book signing was really cool and meeting everyone and i also got to do um like a live tv interview which was the first time i'd ever done that and that was really really cool to to, to do that and um and there was the i had like a it was the first time i'd ever done an interview with a translator and there was like i had like a thing in my ear and <laughs> i was really amazed at how how easy they made it how it you know i, I the, obviously the moderator spoke croatian and then i answered in english and we all had earpieces and it was It was I was really impressed with how easy they made it for us to communicate. So yeah, it was a really fun trip. 
Yeah, and it was on Croatian national television, which is a huge success for, for any author. Uh, so let's take things a bit um, at the beginning, because uh, an, not everyone had a chance to meet you when you were here in Zagreb. So um, when you were starting out, you didn't dream of being a writer. You were actually starting to be an actor. So I guess my question for you is, are the fans hoping to see you on the big screen or your acting careers <laughs> is done for the moment? Um, well, I, I think my, yeah, I think my acting career is done for, because I, I love being a writer so much more. And I think that I was kind of doing the, I think I was doing the wrong thing for a long time. Like I, it, it just feels, feels like I'm doing the right thing now and it's worked out much better for me than the acting ever did. <laughs> Um, but I think if if I ever did do any acting again, I'd love to narrate uh, like one of my audio books. I think that could be a really fun thing to do. Um, but apart from that, no, no more acting. Uh, how did you notice you had a talent for writing? Uh, did it happen uh, sometimes early in high school, elementary school, or did it happen when you wrote your first screenplay? Um, I think. Well, I think it came from first. I had a talent for showing off at school like I, I remember I really remember the first time I ever did I, I wrote anything I was about sort of seven or eight and I wrote this short little poem and then we all had to stand we had to stand up in school in the class and read it out to everyone and I made the class laugh <laughs> and that was the moment where I was like oh okay I really like like this and then I sort of wrote in secret uh, for, for many years um just at home as a kid, I was writing silly things, and um, and so it it kind of came out of that. Really, there wasn't that was the sort of the moment where I thought I like writing, but I was obviously too young to sort of really properly realize what being a writer was. And then over the years, I just sort of wrote and did it, and um, it sort of evolved over time. Um, to your, it was very. To your screenplay, I presume. Yeah, the first the first thing I remember writing was a screenplay when I was about 13 or 14. And I got this typewriter for Christmas from my mum and dad. And it was basically a rip-off because I was a huge fan of the X-Files. I was like, I still am. I mean, I love the X-Files. And um, it was basically kind of a rip-off of the X-Files set in England on the coast with a a male investigator and a female investigator <laughs> and that was like the first thing I yeah that I wrote and I really kind of got into it and enjoyed it and loved it and um but it's uh, uh, now it's some I don't know where it is I think it's somewhere in my parents attic um gathering dust <laughs> <laughs> I think that they ought to look for it since it could be sold for quite a bit I hope <laughs> mm, I don't know I, I <laughs> Part of me would love to read it again, and part of me thinks, well, I, part of me thinks it would just be terrible. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned your parents because I read somewhere that your dad actually uh, made up bedtime stories for for you. So, uh, how much did it affect you, you being an author? Because I, I don't think that a lot of uh, parents are um, inventing stories for their their children. There are modern technologies, there are cartoons and everything, but that was really something uh, from your dad for you. Yeah, my, it was, well, what it was is that we used to, in the weekend, every morning, we used to go into my parents' room and they would make, 
and we'd we'd you know have like we'd sit with them and talk and um and then my dad would just tell these stories and he um i can't remember what made him start doing it but we would we loved them and they were like because where, where, where we lived we had all these birds that were nesting in the roof of the house and he, so he made up these stories about all the birds and they all had personalities and there was a I remember there was a, a a bird catcher that was would come and try and catch the birds to give them to the circus and you know it was it was really um amazing and I didn't really think about it again until I had to do an interview about two years ago with a writing magazine when they asked me the question you know what inspired you to write and that was when I sort of remembered this and then speaking to other people not everyone like you just said not everyone's parents make up stories a lot of them read you read stories from books so it was yeah it was my dad um doing that and also my dad has a really good sense of humor and so often um you know when he tells when he tells you a funny story he's really good at you know telling the story and he's a really good storyteller so uh, yeah a lot of it a lot of it came from that i think okay so let's uh move forward to the couple of years you're trying to be an actor you're living in america canada london and what happened that you quit acting and just started writing and what was the the first thing you've written well i i got to the point where i i think i was really hating being an actor because i it was really tough and i and i, I did some work that i was really proud of um but it was very badly paid and i just and it and it kind of after a while i was living in london and it sort of ground me down because it's very expensive to live in london didn't have any money at all and um then what during a period of unemployment i'd written uh been part of a comedy show and i'd written some of the skits for that and i'd really enjoyed it but then fast forward to uh i think it was 2007 and I was finding that I was I was doing more jobs that I hated than doing acting because obviously in between acting jobs I had to do other jobs and I was I was working in horrible offices or or you know horrible bars and I was just getting sick of it so um me and a friend started to do a um do comedy shows around London and it was around the same time that I I met my future husband Yan and he he sort of saw me doing this saw me writing these shows and turning it into something and he just he actually said to me why don't you become a writer because you obviously enjoy the writing part far more than doing the acting part and then he said to me well if you want to um spend some time actually writing something full time i'll i'll go out and work and you know you can have the time to write and so that was a really big thing for me because it was the first time that anyone had sort of acknowledged me being a writer or it was said to me or oh, you should try doing this um properly <laughs> um and so that was when i started writing my first novel which became the not so secret emails of coco pinchard um now i have to ask you something about the the show you did with your friend because i know a bit of background uh but i don't i don't think a lot of people do so could you please tell me what was it called and what was it about <laughs> The the show was uh, Branko and Branka, the Croatian magic sensation, <laughs> and it came about because at the time I was working at the London Dungeon, which in London was like this experience where you kind of go around and you look at the history of London, and this and people kind of 
actors play parts in. And I was doing this, and this girl I was working with, she said, do you want to do a comedy skit? And so we were trying to work out what to do. And at the time she was dating a Croatian guy and she was going to a lot of events at the Croatian, at the Croatian embassy in London and meeting a lot of, uh, of, of Croatian men, women, different people. And I went along to some of it. And, and I can't remember what exactly was the, the reason why we, why we kind of went for that. But at the time we sort of thought it would just be something very interesting to look at a different culture and to tell the culture, the story of that culture through magic. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, like just, just to kind of, not to go into too much detail, but like at the time, um, uh, Croatia was waiting to become part of the European Union. And back then, Britain obviously was part of the European Union. So we had this idea of um, the Croatian couple who came to London um, to work and they happened to be magicians. So there was sort of, it was the cultural differences and all that kind of, we thought it would just be very, very interesting and funny because we could take, we could take the piss out of British culture and we could take the piss out of foreigners being in Britain and all that kind of stuff. And, and then also the whole, the whole thing of ma- the, the whole thing of magic shows, which I find really funny, old old fashioned magic shows and kind of the um, hysterical music and sort of you know the all the kinds and the glamorous assistant and the guy who's all that kind of stuff. So that was that was where it came from. So did you visit Croatia for the first time before the show or after that show? In between, we we went to Croatia the first time. We'd been doing the show for a few months and. Um, we actually had quite an amazing thing happen is that we would, uh, we made a website because back, you know, back, it was back in 2006 and obviously the internet was, the internet was alive, but <laughs> not a lot of people had websites. So we made a website for the, for the characters and we actually got contacted by uh, a TV crew producer from your national TV channel, HRT1 yeah. or HRT2. And they came, they were doing like a, a cultural film about life, about stuff in or Croatians in London or something. And they came and they actually interviewed us doing one of our shows and they filmed one of some of our shows. And then we also had from that, the editor of Croatian Playboy at the time, she came and did a, uh, a, a piece for Croatian Playboy on us, which was amazing. And so just after that, we then, I think went to Croatia for the first time and, um, and we'll the rest is history. <laughs> and the rest is history, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned Coco, so you started writing about Coco, and then uh, you continued with a couple of more romantic comedy uh, books like um, Lost in Crazy Town, Mrs. Uh, Wright and, and Mr. Wrong, or is it the other way around? Yeah. So, Mrs. Wright and Mr. Wrong, yeah. <laughs> uh, did you become successful from the start? I think it's really important to to speak about it uh, because of the all young authors who will be watching the, this podcast. And I know your story, but uh, I know that you're open um, about it. So please tell us your your writing path to to the very successful uh, British author you are now. Well, yeah. Well, at first, no, I wasn't successful. So. I'll go back, and so I. Um, this was 2007, when my now husband Jan said to me, 
take some t- take some time off and try and write something. So I took a long time to write the first draft of what was the not so secret emails of Coco Pinchard. And it actually took me probably about two years because it was so hard. Like I'd never written a book. I'd never written anything more than a short five minute theater sketch, comedy sketch. So yeah, I, I, it took me a long time and it was really difficult. And I, I, there was times when I just gave up on it. And, um, but I kind of having Jan sort of there to push me on, I, I finally got it finished. So that was two years later in 2009. And at the time I got an agent in London a literary agent, which was very hard in itself. And he was very excited about the book. And we worked on it for a couple of months and he sent it out to all the big publishers and all the big publishers said, no, we don't want it. It's, 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 it's all told in emails. No one will want to read it or it's um, not funny or it's not there. You know, everyone seemed to have, or there was quite a few, few publishers who said, oh my God, we love it. Everyone in the office read it and we all laughed but we don't think it's commercial enough, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So that was 2009. And then at that point, uh, we moved to America for a year where I, um, you know, tried to get things going as a writer there and had a bit of luck um, with, you know, job, with doing some jobs and stuff like um, script editing and things like that. Um, and then we had to come back after that year in America because we ran out of money. So we came back to live in Slovakia. And um, at this point, I was kind of, I kind of thought that that was it for the Koga Pinchard book and I had to move on. So we wrote a, a book about our time in America, which, um, which that was really the big break point because we wrote the book about our time in America. I wrote it in English and Jan translated it into Slovak. And we actually got a publishing deal in Slovakia which was incredible. And um, that was the beginning of 2012 when we got the publishing deal. And then because that book did well, the publishers in Slovakia asked me, you know, what else I had, like what, you know, did I have another book I wanted to publish? And I thought of Coco Pinchard and they loved it. And um, I will add that Jan, my husband is also a translator. So he's translate. he translated then the first Coco Pinchard book into Slovak. And we got a publishing deal for that book as well. And at the same time, the publisher said, well, is, would you do, is there more than one book you've got? And I, in, in the meeting, I sort of kind of said on, on uh, without thinking, oh yeah, I'm writing a, writing a second book in the series, which I wasn't at the time. <laughs> and um, amazingly, they, wanted the second book as well, or they were interested. So that kind of gave me a lot of confidence to sort of carry on writing. And so at this point, um, we looked at our options and they just started doing the, um, the, the self-publishing in the English language, like through Amazon and the other retailers. And um, so we decided to take the plunge and to self-publish the first Coco Pinchard book in 2012. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, is, uh, is that a too detailed answer? I don't know. <laughs> but that's just to give you an idea of how long the process took. So I'll speed up the process now. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, well... wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I have an intermediate <laughs> here. It, okay, it's, okay. it's not too long, but uh, we still haven't touched the, the crime series yet. But uh, <laughs> to, to touch up on this, uh, you're now like in, in 2012, uh, you're semi-successful, semi you're self-publishing uh, Coco series in English, you are published in Slovakia. And uh, the thing that you, you told me uh, when you were visiting Zagreb last, uh, last time uh, was uh, a bit about your promotional tour uh, through Slovakia, if I remember correctly, because people always think that when you have a publisher that everything goes smoothly and now you're super famous and everyone is doing everything for you but that was really not the case for you and you had one really peculiar uh book promotion so please tell me a bit about it we had well we had we had a couple of things the first was when we had the launch party for the lost in crazy town book which so is the first ever book i'd had published and the publisher had arranged this sort of launch thing in this small theater and um, the publisher was run by a very young couple and the 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 the, the lady of the couple <laughs> was very very pregnant <laughs> and so on the day of our day of our book launch uh, she went into labor and was rushed to hospital her husband understandably went with her and they sent their 17 year old or 16 year old nephew to come along and unlock the door to the venue and basically we were just kind of left all on our own and we sort of i was Jan because Jan obviously speaks Slovak he was the one who had to sort of deal with everything at that point I didn't know any Slovak at all so it was a really weird experience because I was like launching a book that I couldn't read I could barely <laughs> say anything and yeah that was kind of um that was kind of weird and then I remember that we were signing books for everyone and um, no one had organized anyone to actually <laughs> take the money for the book. So <laughs> people people were just kind of walking off with all these books. And so, yeah, it was, it was kind of quite a crazy evening. And then that was for that book. And then when the first uh, Coca Pinchar book was published a year later in Slovakia, um, we went to do lots of, uh, we were booked in to do quite a lot of these uh, book sort of appearances in bookshops and not many people turned up to the hall. <laughs> I remember there was one where I think three old ladies came along and it was only because it was raining and they didn't want to get, they wanted to kind of shelter from the rain. And they sort of sat on the front row like this, looking at us as if to say, who, who are you? And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, tough. It was character building, definitely. I'm crying now, so thank you. <laughs> Um, you co-authored the Lost in Crazy Town with uh, Jan. Uh, he he's named like a co-author on the book. Was it your first experience with the co-author? And would you like to repeat it with Jan, of course, but with some other writer too? No, the the first real collaborate collaborative experience was to do the Branko and Branko, the Croatian magic sensation, and that was. One well, one thing I've learned about collaborating is you have to really get to know the person you're working with, and you have to spend a lot of time with them, because it's such an intimate experience writing with someone, and um, 
so I, I got to know the club wrote on that. And obviously, I'm very close to Jan. And, and the book we wrote late, Lost in Crazy Town, was very much our story of the actual things that had happened. So, but saying that, it was still difficult. We still argued about things. And um, I, I don't know if I would want to collaborate again <laughs> with anyone new, just because, not that, not that I, no, I just think it's such a big thing to, to to do it properly. You have to really get to know someone. You have to spend a lot of time with someone. And it might happen in the future, but it's it's not just a case, I think, of like emailing back and forth stuff. Well, not for me anyway. I think it, it's something that you've really got to commit to. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's get back to Coco because it's a real honor to have uh, um, an edition of Coco in Croatian, which happened just this year. So uh, <laughs> you have one, two, same these. <laughs> uh, so what was the inspiration behind Coco? Tell us a bit about it, because this is the, the first uh, Coco book that came out in Croatia. Not everyone uh, know about it. So please tell us a bit about Coco. When I was given, I was given this gift of time back in 2007 to write a book. And that was great. And then I actually had to think about what I was going to write. Um, so the, the inspiration for this came from, firstly, the name came from a play I'd done when I was at drama school. Um, I'd done like a, a comedy play and I'd played Mr. Pinchard and another actress <laughs> had played Coco Pinchard. And I love the name. So that's where that came from. And then in terms of the, the format of the book being an email, it was around the time when the first iPhones were, came out, like in 2007. And I didn't have an iPhone, I couldn't afford an iPhone, but I was on the train. I used to get the train a lot when I lived in London. And um, I just remember literally as soon as the iPhone launched, there were so many people on the train who had iPhones and they were like emailing and writing. And it just got me thinking like, who are they writing to? What are they writing? Are their emails kind of, have their emails kind of changed because now you can write an email whilst you're on the train. You don't have to wait until you get home to switch on your computer. So that was the starting point of the story. And then, so it all, it, it, it sort of came out of that. And uh, at the start of the story, Coco Pinchard knows her marriage is on the rocks because every Christmas her husband usually buys her a piece of jewelry, but this Christmas he buys her an iPhone. Mm. And while she's not ungrateful, it's a bit impersonal. And so she starts to email from it like, talking about her problems and that's where the where the story sort of came from okay and the story evolved in a couple of uh, a couple of books now five in series if i'm not mistaken uh can we expect uh, all the sequels in croatian can you can you tell us that i i really hope so i really hope so all i can say is to good people of croatia if you buy this book <laughs> there's more of a that there'll be more because the publisher will look at their um, balance sheet and they'll be more keen to publish more than I really I really hope so I really hope there'll be more to come okay so things started happening with Coco Pinchard in Slovakia and on Amazon and and so forth and then you decided to do another switch and you switched from 
romantic genre to crime genre. What happened there? How did you decide that? Uh, did you always want to to write uh, crime stories? I mean, when you told me the the screenplay about X Files uh, in in the UK, I guess you had some idea about doing uh, crime novels, but you started with romantic comedies and then moved on to 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 crime. Yeah, I so I did the I did the Poker Pinchard books and then. Um, I did a, a standalone romantic comedy, and that was the one that really, I mean, the Coco Pinchard books were successful, but they weren't like really, really successful mm -hmm. until I wrote the, the, the standalone romantic comedy, and that really took off, which was, which was incredible. And um, at, at that point, I thought, okay, this is really, really cool, but I don't know if I want to be a romantic comedy writer forever, because I, I would love to try and write... Um, something different I'd love to try and write crime so that was the point where I decided sort of in just in secret one day to try writing a crime novel and um, I'd had the idea of um, actually yeah from from loving like the X-Files and the investigators I had the idea that uh, there is as far as I knew there wasn't a uh, a Slovak uh, detective story that had been written in English with a, with a, a protagonist who is Slovak. Um, and so that was the starting point for that. And so I, yeah, I wrote that in secret. And then there was a digital publisher in Britain that had just sort of started and they were, they were getting quite successful and you could submit your books to them without having to have an agent. So whilst the, the romantic comedy was doing very well in the sort of the Amazon charts, I submitted the idea for, um, the girl in the ice to them and so that's how it sort of came about and then um but the, the strange thing is is that i had to come up for a title for the book and at the time the girl on the train was really huge so <laughs> i thought well put a, you know put the girl in the title it's sort of so i did i sent the girl in the ice as the title and then i kind of chickened it out and i i emailed them i said actually i don't want to call it the girl in the ice i want to call it the secrets that kill which I quite like that title as well. And then they read it and they know, they said, no, 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 we really like it. And we really want to go with the girl in the ice. So that was how that came about. Okay. And so what happened uh, between you sending your novel to the publisher and having 4 million <laughs> sold copies of your novels? So what happened was, is they, they came back to me, the digital publisher, and they said, well, our kind of model of uh, publishing is that we publish books. We love to publish series of books. And we found that if you publish the first, especially the first parts of the series very close together, you can quickly build a readership. So would you like to write three books and we publish them all within about a year of each other? And so I'd written the first one and I, and it was such a great opportunity. So I said, yes, okay. And um, then they, so the publisher, uh, I'd written The Girl in the Ice and the publisher was getting ready with that. So I started the second book straight away. And, um, and that was sort of at the end of 2015. And then they, um, they came back with a cover design for just, I think it's one of the best covers ever for The Girl in the Ice. Um, this is, uh, is the one about... we have uh, in Croatian or uh, another one? No, no, you di didn't use the one in Croatian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to get up. I've just got it here. This is the, so this is the cover. There was a girl in the ice, which was the oh, girl's. It's quite eyelash. similar though. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, with the blue so, and everything. With the blue. And yeah. for whatever reason, um, I think the cover was just amazing. And luckily the book was very good too. And then, so that was published early in 2016 and the book really caught fire. And because of the publishing schedule, I had already written the, pretty much written the second one within a few weeks of the first one being published. So they, they put the second one on to pre-order at the same time. And that's what really created a lot of momentum for the series to begin. And I think it was just one of those things that the, the, the luck and the timing as much as the book, um, you know, it just caught fire and it was incredible. And once it started to sell well in Britain, it started to sell well in America. And um, then it was sold to lots of countries around the world. And I think um, it was just, it was like a sort of a snowball effect. And then the second book came out, The Girl on the Ice came out in the February, The Night Stalker, which is the second book came out in the, at the beginning of June that year. And then the third book, Darkness, um, uh, Dark Water came out in the, in the fall, in sort of October, September, October time. So that was like the most incredible start for things for me, I think it just that having that momentum at the beginning. So it all happened very quickly. <laughs> I guess it was a lot of work to publish three books in a year, year and a half time. <laughs> yeah, the stress was big. Um, and, but I think also it was, it was kind of a good thing because I, I, I kind of work well on stress. And I think having the, you know, fear, the utter, fear of having to write something, especially when when it's happening at that speed like in particularly the third book I just kind of started writing it when they designed the cover and they had it on pre-order and you know people are kind of people are buying this book and putting their hard-earned money into buying it when you haven't finished writing it <laughs> so it kind of really forced me to yeah up my game and um and write And to be really disciplined and you're still really disciplined because I know that you write from nine to five. It's, it's like having an ordinary job just from, from home, which actually a lot of people experienced last year, but I guess it was kind of a novelty for you at the time. Yeah, and I think, I think when it also becomes your, your, your job, you, you, it's, actually no, I think what it is, is it's just it's, it's, um, the discipline and, and the routine. And once you get into the routine, I think... You can do it, but it's very hard. I mean, I spent years and years and years before writing, like all throughout my 20s, I would say to myself, most days, I've got to write something today or I want to write something. And I just didn't do it. And I would write so rarely. And I used to think that you'd have to kind of have all the right conditions, like you had to have the inspiration and you had to have the certain things, the certain kind of paper or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you don't, you just have to get on with it and do it. And do it even when you don't want to do it and and not wait for inspiration to come and then your brain is like a kind of muscle it's like going to the gym you know you, you just get better and better and better at being able to get into writing and doing it um yeah, yeah this, is, this is a terrific advice for all young and old authors who want to make a name for themselves Um, why do you think that uh, people warmed up to Erica she's a bit of a cold person herself Um, yeah, I think because she's, um, I think people love the crime genre anyway, because, uh, 
in crime novels, the bad guy or the bad girl, bad woman is always caught at the end of it. You know, very rarely do they get away. And I think that's obviously different to life when, especially nowadays, there's so much injustice in the world and so many people get, people get away with murder or, you know. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing I think is that she's very different. She's a kind of a character who's lost a lot. So she has a lot of sympathy from people, but also she's still, um, does whatever she can to uh, find justice for victims. And very often the victims are people from, you know, people that don't have privilege, people that don't have um, lots of money and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I think that that's what it, that's, that's what it is with Erica. And I think well, she, she's kind of become like a real, she's like a real person to me now as well. I, I've said this before when I do an interview, like, it's almost like I'm watching what she's doing and writing it down. It's really weird. She's got a personality of her own. <laughs> You're her, her biographer, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stalker. Uh, <laughs> Night Stalker, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you started being successful with Erika Poster series. You've written it uh, in um, six books. And then you decided to do another switch. Yeah, I'm, I suppose I'm just a bit of a sadist, really, for myself. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I got well. I got to the point where I, it was you know it was incredible, and I was writing very very quickly these books, the Eric Foster series, and I love writing them. And again, I I just kind of thought I could either keep on doing this, and I would sort of maybe be only able to write Eric Foster books moving forward, which. I'd be very happy with, but I don't know if I got to like book 20, if I would still want to just write Eric Foster books. So I just thought maybe I need to try something different and give myself a challenge. So I, yeah, I came, I had started writing a, a different um, crime series, which is about a, pers a private investigator. So it's a bit different to the Eric Foster books. And um, I've just finished writing the third book in that series. Were you afraid at the time that maybe fans will be disappointed or maybe they wouldn't like Kate Marshall as much as they like Erica Foster? Yes, <laughs> I was. <laughs> and I, but I, the one thing, like my husband, Yanni, is really good. That, I mean, he always reads my stuff first and he always kind of helps me with, you know, if I'm having doubts about things. And he said to me, one thing he said, you know, you've been you've been so lucky as a writer that you've had this success with Eric Foster and those readers are amazing people and they won't go away. So even if you write this and it doesn't work out, you've still got that success of the Eric Foster books and you can still carry on writing the books. And that's what really gave me the kind of confidence to try something different. And also, you know, in terms of publishers as well, I mean, my publisher at the time, who are great, they were very, um, you know, very wary about it. And they said, well, maybe you should do a crossover book. So, you know, Kate, the, 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 new, the new series about private investigator Kate Marshall, and they said, well, maybe you write another Oak Foster book and Kate Marshall appears in that and you can kind of use that to launch, you know, a new series. Um, but yeah, that, I, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, that, that's actually the most often question in your interviews or in your live streams. Will Erica and Kate ever meet? I don't know, because I, I really think about this a lot. And I, the problem is, is that they're both, well, especially Erica is very, Erica wouldn't want to work with someone else. I really <laughs> don't think she'd want to work with someone else. And I don't know if Kate would. And I wouldn't want there to be, 
you know, like the thing where there's two strong women and they hate each other and they they always butting heads and they they because that's like done to death and it's like I hate that thing that you know two successful women can't work together because it's it's just a kind of stereotype. So I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, maybe it would be a novella or something shorter. But in terms of a book, I yeah, I don't know if they would. I mean, never say never. <laughs> I guess it's not the end for Erica Foster because when I was reading the the final book, uh, things didn't seem final. So will Erica Foster series continue? Yes, it will. And and the weird thing is, I've never ever said to anyone, I'm not going to write any more Erica Foster books. And like like you said, the <laughs> book, it, it's not like she dies at the end of the sixth book or anything dramatic happens. I mean, I've deliberately this is not a spoiler, but I've deliberately left Erica. At the end of the sixth book, she solves the murder and then she's outside on the street having a cigarette, working out what, what to do next. So I kind of left it so open. And yet I see reviews on all the time, like on Goodreads or places saying, oh, yeah, it's such a shame this is the last book or <laughs> this is the last one of the series. Or I don't know why he stopped writing and decided to do something else. I've always, always, always wanted to go back to it. So I just think now in, in, in the modern world, everything's sort of, Everything happens so fast, and if you maybe if you publish something fast, then you stop publishing it. People assume that it's the end, um, but it's not at all. Okay, I hope that we debunked this this myth about uh, Erica Foster. Yes. And <laughs> since you disappointed us with uh, with the the fact that we will not uh, be able to see you on the big screen as an actor, do you think that we'll possibly see your characters uh, on TV? I mean, Erica, Kate, or Coco? I don't know. I really hope so. I mean, we uh, we got close a, co a couple of times with uh, an Erica Foster TV series. The last time was about just over two years ago, and it just it didn't work out because it's just such a difficult thing to get a television show made and um and the conditions weren't quite right um and i want you know if something's made i want to make sure that it's faithful to the character um so you know who knows i really hope so i really hope that they will get made into tv or film yeah fingers crossed for that um, I guess you do a lot of research before writing your crime series, whether it's uh, Kate or Erica series. Uh, so I guess if a murder happened in your vicinity, you'd be the prime suspect just based on your Google search? No, that's, yeah. I, I often worry that what people would think of my Google search. Um, <laughs> you know, like all the, all the kind of weird stuff you look up and there's, and there's stuff that you look up and you never use. I mean... I think the most, uh, on a serious note, the most harrowing stuff I looked at was in the Night Stalker, in the second Eric Foster book, there's a, uh, a killer that, you, that suffocates people by putting a bag over their head and using um, like a, a gas to um, put them to sleep. And I'm just looking at that, I saw that, um, sorry, no, I've got that wrong. They, they put the bag over the head and there's a character that wants to commit suicide by putting a bag over their head and using a gas. And I looked into this online and there's like whole forums where they describe how you can do it and people talking to each other about when they're gonna kill themselves and how they're gonna do it and where you can best buy all the all the bits that you would need, like the bag and the and the and the, the heat I think it's helium. I think it's helium. 
it's yeah it's quite um it was really really harrowing and and just and there's like youtube videos on how to do it and stuff and very often when i do research some of the stuff is so sick and so graphic that it has to be toned down because so many crime readers love to read about stuff like that but they really don't want people don't want to read horrible graphic stuff you've kind of got to really make it more palatable for someone um to read without completely you know freaking them out <laughs> um well i i won't be um able to put you on the good side um, of the police with uh, my next question and just to inform the audience what it's about we have a running theme of our podcast where um, authors or other guests of the podcast uh, continue the story with uh, their own sentence uh, your story actually uh, began with um, alex suratsharic who is a croatian comedian but he uh, started it as a really somber and morbid story and the other guests continued with their sentences and now it's your turn so i will read the story how it developed uh, until now and you will continue it with yours so <clears throat> a curse not the one set in frustration but a real one cast by a witch as if the curse brought on us by being born on this planet wasn't enough one fine old lady decided to spice things up a bit She woke up early as per usual and took to sharpening the biggest knife she could find in her kitchen. After all, the throat won't slash itself. Yet, this was not some sort of a whim. This thought had been on her mind since forever. Please continue. Okay, so I have. When the knife was sharpened to her satisfaction, the old lady packed it in a bag and left her house, walking for a day and a night until she came to a crossroads. Thank you very much, Robert. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> This is a really a great sentence for other guests to continue and they can like, I don't think that they can take it to a romantic comedy <laughs> series, but I think that we will continue in this thrillery mode. Uh, before I let you go to do your writing, because I know that this is the time when you actually uh, do your work and write, I just have another question to ask you, and that is the, the biggest question of it, of it all. Uh, what would you say to young, aspiring authors? Um, I would say to young, aspiring authors, you just have to write and have the courage to write for yourself, first of all. Don't worry what about being judged. And the second thing I would say is that social media is a great communication tool, but just make sure that you're working on your writing more than you're doing your social media, because I know a lot of writers feel the pressure to be on social media. But I think one of the, that's the biggest thing that I've realized is that the best promotion you can do once you become a writer is to write your next book. Because once you, building a readership is such a important thing once some one person loves your books they'll want to read another one and they'll probably tell your friends so yeah that's my bits of advice yeah just sit down your ass and write i guess <laughs> yeah the short version yeah <laughs> 
Okay, thank you very much for this conversation and the time you found to, to introduce yourself to Croatian public and I hope the other public as well since this interview is uh, in English. And um, I'm really looking forward to your books in the future and I hope you'll visit Croatia again soon. Okay, thank you, Sanya. It's been great to talk to you.